together, re, 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 re. We get to be, 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 be. Together, we, 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 we get to be. Together, we, 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 we get to be, 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 be. Together, we, 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 we get to be. Prophecies have foretold, and wisdom keepers all know, that the rise of the feminine will restore balance to our world. In this podcast, we are on a journey to understand the root of the imbalance that has caused disconnection and dysfunction within our humanity, so we can emerge as leaders, creating a new story on Earth. I'm Lauren Walsh. And I'm Shayna Connors. With humble hearts and open minds, we will converse with spiritual teachers, historians, psychologists, revolutionaries, leaders, and healers to navigate these evolving times and reintegrate the feminine history that we have forgotten. Welcome to the Time of the Feminine podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Time of the Feminine podcast. I'm so excited to be here with a neighbor of mine who lives probably 20 minutes from me, but we just figured that out. Her name is Makosi Himi Gogo Tule, and she is a devoted Sangoma diviner, prayer, warrior, and healer, and recently a new mama. Sangoma is a Zulu term for a seer who brings forth messages from their ancestors to help or serve their community. This is a gift, a calling, a responsibility rooted in the indigenous cultural knowledge. Makosi Himi's work as a bridge into shamanic ceremonial traditions from her lived cultural experiences, guided by the elevated ancestors of her lineage from Burkina Faso, South Africa, and ancient Kemet. Her healing practice is rooted in ancient African cosmologies, initiations, and spiritual traditions that elevate our consciousness to return harmony with our inner and outer nature. She walks the path of a wisdom keeper devoted to preserving and honoring the ancestral way of healing. Welcome, welcome to the Time of the Feminine podcast. Thank you so much. I feel super welcome. I'm grateful that my ancestors and myself were invited into the space, grateful to you and your spirits and your ancestors, your lineage and the lands that you come from, the traditions that spark your mind and heart for inviting and remembering to include my voice in the mission that is above all of our seeing and just grateful. I've definitely been feeling like I need to speak and I didn't know how, so I'm, I just honored for this vessel and this pot that we can pour water in together. Mm. Such an honor to have you, sister, and for you to share your voice and speak your truth. And for all of your ancestors and guides and wisdom keepers that are with you today, I feel them so present. And the waters, as we mentioned as well, so present here, the elements so present in this space. And so thank you. Thank us. And thank us. One of you. Our elders, mm-hmm. the says. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I wanted to share with you and ask you 
as your presence of a child your, that you just brought into this world three months ago, you're in the transition of becoming, you know, you are a mother, you have become a mother. And so this question that we ask a lot of our guests, what does the time of the feminine mean to you probably has transformed for you. So I'm curious to hear about what does the time of the feminine mean for you and how has that transformed as you've now been initiated into motherhood? Yes. One of the great, great elders of the Sangoma tradition or the Umbungoma tradition of Akrita Mutua, he calls this the mother mind. And he has a really beautiful speech that he shares around this. And for me, in my own words, the time of the feminine is embracing the mother mind. And it seems like there's a mother mind and a father mind. And there's something about the mother mind that feels very inclusive. It includes the father. But I feel it and experience a lot from the mother and child dynamic. I feel like I'm being called to remember what it means to be a mother while also maintaining the fact that I'm a child, that I'm still learning to remain humble but that I'm also this bright light in the lineage that has been called to do something and ex- take what I was given and take it further, that there is a mother that is trusting me yes. and knowing that I have an imagination that was a little bit different from hers that might not do things exactly the way that she did it because I'm imagining something new that's still a seed of hers and to not be afraid to speak up even to my mother about it about what the creative energy that she's given me is. It's about constantly seeing myself from both perspectives at the same time, the mother and the father, the feminine and the masculine, the mind and the heart, the water and the fire, the grandfathers and the grandmothers. It's just about re-respecting the mother again and also addressing the wound of the mind, the wound of the masculine the wound of certain aspects of the child within myself to not just see it as this fight against something outside of myself, but that a, a conflict that I'm residing inside of myself so I can see it and design it into this world and create from a greater space in my heart and my mind when that unity and that community comes back together inside of me and around me. Mm. I want to pull on this remembrance that you're alluding to because it's this you're standing in your ancestry as this person to bring it further but in that there's also the going back the remembering the recalling something ancient and old that's also new and so I want you to share in your perspective what that experience is as a human being but also as a spiritual being on a very day-to-day level that experience has been full of emotions, like an array. It's like initiating into emotions, <laughs> anger, love, happiness, sadness, anxiety. What do these emotions really mean? And so that means that I'm confronting myself with these feelings. I'm confronting everybody else with these feelings. I'm like, do y'all feel this? What is going on? Why do I feel like this? Especially last year, it felt like this. What is, I'm feeling more. I'm seeing more. Who am I feeling like? Am I feeling like myself? Am I feeling like an ancestor? Am I feeling this person in this room? It's, it feels sometimes chaotic. It feels sometimes like today the, dark, the concept of dark night of the soul came up again. But at the same time, it also feels like this burst of inspiration where there's like all these ideas coming through, seeing what healing is more, seeing the people around me more. I work a lot in terms of divination, in terms of plant medicines, in terms of 
just spiritual and ancestral healing work. And it means that I, it's because I'm seeing myself as the mother and seeing myself as the child has challenged me to see everyone around me from a truer perspective, from a greater lens. Sometimes it means that I'm like, like the grandfather creating structure for my son and like, hey, and now it's that time and this and that. And then he's talking back in his own way with tears or frustration or discomfort. And I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be in the flow. And so I'm up and I'm moving and I'm jumping around or I'm going outside and I'm putting my feet and his feet on the ground. And then I'm back on the computer and doing the structural creative thing. And a lot of times it's also like in terms of this energy of confrontation, it's about telling people the truth telling my partner the truth, telling my family the truth, telling my clients the truth. Um, I just recently, it was called to send a really heartfelt message to my father, I think the day after Father's Day. And it was just about telling the truth, being okay with however way it was going to be received. And there's a spontaneous just nature to it. So I'm curious about where in your path you decided that truth was a value that you were going to instill within yourself and expand out to all? How did that happen for you? Yeah, it started what felt like a little early for me. In high school, I used to talk about this a lot. My best friend decided to change her religion. And I was Catholic. She was a different type of Christian. I was just like, how do you know at a young age like that truth for yourself. And because she mirrored it, I was just like, wow, I want to know, I want to feel that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I, I had this question around just what is my life purpose? What am I here to do? And that just like a Pandora's box, like boom, opened up a journey that led me to curiosity, then anxiety, then some forms of depression. Nothing was directly wrong in my life, but I just felt a little bit off. and. It was just like step-by-step step things started to open up and reveal themselves to me. Um, the first, I think, spiritual book, which this friend happened to connect me with, was like the Conversations with God. And it's once I started reading the beginning words of that book, it was addressing the things that were like keeping me up at night. Guilt, sin, anxiety. And it was just like speaking to the things that I was thinking about. And in reading that book, what I decided within myself was that if there's a soul, because I don't feel like I know what I'm doing, I don't feel like I have the answer. But if there's this concept of a soul, there's something inside of me that knows what it is that I'm here to do. And there's a possibility of getting to know that thing. And that's what I want to do until I find it, <laughs> until I find the truth. And that was like a prayer that continued to, sh it was the same prayer. And it was a moment where I was like, I want to know the truth. What's going on with our food? And I'm eating vegan and I'm changing my lifestyle and I'm traveling the world and I'm learning about other alternative ways of doing things. I'm cutting my hair and I'm going natural and I'm doing all those difficult things when that lead us to the truth. I'm questioning my society. I'm questioning the things around me. I'm questioning my, myself. And it just, that prayer changed and changed and changed, but it was the same. Like, I just want to know who I am in my soul. And I decided to stay with that question until I felt answered. And um, though there were difficult times, I constantly found something that birthed inspiration to continue to keep going. So let's talk about that inspiration to keep going, your path. Now, I imagine you've encountered teachers and teachings and spiritual tradition. And so can you share about how that kind of was guided? Yeah. 
one of the sprouting experiences was that I just got on Facebook and I was like, I don't know anybody into this stuff. So I'm just going to start adding people on Facebook that seem like they're into these things. And one of the Black sisters that I joined was promoting a retreat called the Black Woman's Agenda. And it was led by this chief-like Black woman. And it was my first retreat. They invited a Native African-American healer to do the sweat lodge ceremony. And I'm in the sweat lodge, I'm naked, I'm on the ground. There's all these women singing and praying and pouring water. And I'm just, I'm not feeling a whole lot of things besides just being really hot and thus low to the ground to get some of the fresh air. That's the only way thing coming through. But I'm just like, these women are going into trance. They're having these amazing experiences and I get to be a part of it. It just felt magical. And we step outside, we go into the river and the water and Another woman speaking about doing this work more deeply and by connecting this elder. And this elder, my first teacher, Yeye Gogonana, she saw me. She saw what I couldn't see. She was a beautiful, bright um, goddess energy. And I just trusted her. I got a reading from her. She channeled my ancestors. My, I heard from my ancestors for the first time. And I was like, oh, they have a lot to say. They think a lot about me. <laughs> And apparently there's something that they want me to do. And she affirmed for me that like what she was doing was something that I was supposed to be doing. And I didn't know, I didn't have a lot of understanding. My family have a lot of dark stories to say about African spirituality, but I just trusted the light in my teacher and followed her. I followed what she could see in me that I couldn't see within myself. And it was in trusting and starting the steps starting the rituals, starting the prayers, starting the behaviors that my ancestors did to remember themselves, that then I started to awaken to my dreams and my senses. And I started to see for myself what she was seeing. And I was just committed. I was like the student that was like bringing the apple and running around and picking up things and doing what I could, even though I wasn't feeling and seeing it for myself all the way. Like my initiation felt very long. But it always bear, bared fruit. Yeah, and I think that's something that once you're on the spiritual path, you have to continue to remember that you have to give up in order to receive. There's a lot of challenge. There's a lot of times where sometimes you can't see clearly. And so that's why the teachers are so important. So can you maybe share about your initiations and what that process was like for you? And yeah. Yeah. And the... Umbungoma tradition, the process of initiation is called ukutwaza. And it is a process of cleansing. It's a process of releasing. It's a process of death and rebirth. We, it's very much like the monk path in that there are certain protocols that we move through throughout the day. We dress a particular way. There are certain colors that we wear. There are particular times in which we pray, particular medicines that we use to purge and cleanse and bathe particular locations in nature that we spend time and cleanse at in order to merge and understand those spirits and also release the stories that are coming. So we work with plant medicines, different cleanses, prayers, dance, songs. We learn the prayers in the languages of the tradition, the songs in the language of the tradition. And this tradition is especially a dreaming tradition. So you move through these processes of cleansing and then it opens up your dreams. You remember, you see your ancestors. Your ancestors give you instructions. They show you things. They show you what they were like. They show you things within yourself that you need to see and understand. And step by step, it's like it's getting you to the next thing. So there's no like final date. It's like 
when you're shown and the elders see that you're seeing what you're supposed to be seeing in that moment, that you pass through to the next gate and the next space and graduate. But then you figure out that there's no such thing as graduation in their life as initiation. <laughs> but yeah, that was pretty much the process in our tradition. We are, you can, you can tell by just observing us that it's very primal. We're on our knees a lot, on the ground a lot. You may see us in red clay and white powders and many different beaded colors to represent the ancestors and the processes of understanding the knowledge and that we're moving through. Yeah, that's the first thing that I could think of to say. There's also very difficult parts about it mm-hmm. <laughs> to wake up every day at a certain hour, to spend a lot of time away from your family, to sacrifice your time, your resources, your finances in a world that doesn't house initiation anymore the way that it was, where you're not allowed to go to an, into a cave and just disappear and come back and everything be in place for you. So now we're doing it and working and at a distance and online and all using all the communications and the technologies that we can keep these traditions alive. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious about the opening up the dream state because in modern culture, we don't even think of dreams as important at all. But in most spiritual traditions around the world, dreams are very important and they come with a lot of messages and it's a way to connect to our ancestors. And so perhaps if you can share some um, insights you've had about the dream world and what you've come to understand about it. Yes, this is my favorite topic, <laughs> as you may know. I understand the dreams that we have when we go to sleep are maps. They are navigation points. They are spaces of initiation. There are ways that we can travel back to the timelines that our ancestors are from, what lands they were a part of, what animal totems they were connected to, animal spirits, and to just review the movie of their life and to review the movie of our soul's experiences throughout time. Um, There are space for us to just mirror and see our shadows. There are times where I'm just seeing things, we are just seeing things about our day and feelings that we felt we didn't tap into. We didn't go deep because we weren't present in the moment in the day. The dream takes you and gives you all these memories and metaphors that you understand the language that you're missing in the day as well. Their answers, their prophecies, they're telling you what's coming, they're telling you where you've been, what's hidden, what's missing, what's the answer to my question. Their form of communication, they're like a telephone line to our grandmothers and our grandfathers and to the trees, which we have forgotten how to communicate to the plants. They are a library of music, songs. They inspire celebrities and artists all around the world. (laughs) They inspire equations and scientists just to wake up in the morning and to have an idea. And their dreams are so beautiful that they expand beyond what you do when you sleep. Dreams are also the visions that you have in the day. Dreams are also the random places that your mind goes and imagery appears. You can interpret all of those things like a dream. We could look at all of those things as an initiation, a part of the initiation that life is teaching us through as well. Because our culture is so disconnected from the dream space, and I imagine a lot of people listening either don't remember their dreams, have a hard time like recalling their dreams, or have trouble even understanding what their dream is trying to tell them. And so do you have any things to share about that? Yeah, I mean, there's many things around recall 
call. One is first intention. Because we've been moved away from accepting and respecting dreaming as something that is valuable, we need to articulate and affirm. Like when you were younger and they said, oh, monsters aren't real. Dreams aren't real. These aren't real. It's time to re-educate your mind and to say, this is real. I accept the value in this. I want to get to know this. I want to spend time remembering, documenting your dreams, sharing your dreams. The things you talk about show what you care about and value and what you want to know more about. You know, everyone's talked about, oh, you know, collect a dream journal. And I recommend that, but I also recommend making it a lifestyle because our ancestors woke up and they shared dreams together in circle in the midst of going to this place and this thing. Like it was a part of life. Yeah, there are times where you want to keep certain dreams to yourself, but it's, it's a living, breathing experience. As you're talking about it, sometimes you remember more. It, you start to have this deja vu feeling, right? So engaging with your dreams, not just on a write down, but think about all, how you can engage your dreams with all of your senses. And of course, there are nice plants, sweet plants, simple plants, subtle plants that help us to just recall from the mugwurts to the different medicines that we use in our tradition, such as in pepo, which is a sacred herb that we use as a ritual incense that helps us clear the mind and the third eye and and the smoke helps us also to dream with our ancestors. So there are simple plants and teas that we can take. We can engage in conversation. We can say to our ancestors that this is something that's valuable. One of my favorite things to say is that a lot of times there's already some way that you're connected to your dreams. Like you said, some people are remembering it, but they're not understanding. And that to me is where the elder council, and to me, eldership isn't just about the older people. <laughs> It's just someone who knows, an elder is just someone who knows, someone who remembers, and someone who can add a tip or two for you. And so sharing with people who are dreamers, who are carrying the dream tradition, allowing your dreams to be heard by the elders will help guide you and also put elders back into their place in our society. Can you share about putting elders back in their rightful place in society? You know, as far as I see, white culture here in the U.S., when people get old, we put them into old people's homes. And so we create this disconnection from the wisdom of our elders. And I'm curious from your perspective, you know, what needs to happen to reinstate that connection with eldership? Yeah, I feel like it's important for us to reinstill eldership and the concept of eldership, especially from a spiritual level. I think about how even in ancient civilizations, a politician, a teacher, a mother, they would consult the elders and the oracles before they made moves, right? Before they went to war, before they built a school on this land next to this mountain, they asked the mountain or the tree how they would feel if we did this thing here. How do we need to collaborate so that this works and that the tree doesn't fall on the school, <laughs> disrupting the education, right? Because we didn't listen. Bringing the elders back brings back in a deeper sense of listening into our society. And it also gives our elders nourishment for them to feel like what they know, what they've lived, what they experience is valuable to us. That's loving. Some of our elders, those that are sitting in those homes, is what I see in those. Like now, if I can't even think of the word of those homes for elders, but it's like 
we're making them feel like what they've experienced, what they've learned, what they've sacrificed isn't valuable. That no one wants to hear their stories anymore or there's no use for them. When is very valuable. When we're sitting here with questions, I'm a mom and I'm like, I didn't have my mom. (laughs) That's certain questions. And when she was around, she would just tell me about things that mothers do in Burkina Faso. And she doesn't even remember why, you know, when a baby is drinking the milk, he starts coughing up off of the milk and you blow their forehead. She didn't, she says she doesn't know what it means. It's just what they do. But maybe there's something disrupting the receiving of milk and nourishment that we're just blowing away. That doesn't disrupt the child and the environment. Something so simple that could be valuable to us getting through the day with our child. How much more valuable that could be in an institution, in the world, is what I see in my vision and my value. And I see the call for this. I feel like we're all feeling a sense of community and collaboration. And the elders are a part of that. We need them to be able to take these things, these plants, these journeys, and come out of it in a way that's well to help us from being stuck in some of these loops. They've seen it. They've done it. They know. And we also have things to share with them that can inspire them as well, to see things differently and to evolve the knowledge that they have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like the mirror with the younger generation being the reflection for them as they evolve too. Like we're all in this path together and yeah. I think that's one of the things that we're healing in a big way with these next coming generations yeah. is this high hierarchy having put people on the pedestal and what that continues to do for us is not healthy. And for me it's like yeah, and to me it's, there's something about that makes me feel like it allows us all to transition because we lose family members, they get older, they mm-hmm. pass and it's, there's something about that is it's going to also help the transition. Some people lose a family member and then the whole family feels it and they acknowledge like things have not been the same since this person has passed. Because there's something that they knew, there's something that was a part of their legacy, there's something that they were kept talking to the family to do and nobody took on the task to continue it that is creating a lot of hostility in the family. And that's something that I see all the time as a diviner, as a healer, working with people in their family stories. That is an ongoing space of healing that is is occurring. So I want to ask you, you had the gift in this life to get to find these ancient practices, these spiritual traditions that touch this part of your soul. And what I love about what you're exhibiting in the world is also giving back through your foundation and preserving indigenous culture and creating sanctuaries for healing and all these kinds of things. So can you share a little bit about what that was for you, like what you received and then how you feel called to, to give back? Yeah. Uh, Initially, when I finished my initial spiritual process, I just felt so blessed by the experience. Wow. Thank you for allowing me to remember. Thank you for reparenting me. This was such a gift. And I just want to share this gift with other people, um, whether that's on the level of just being amused or on the level of actually getting my hands in it and helping to lift things up and shift things. And so I just wanted to share. And for a while, they were telling me to just the thing that made the most sense was like a nonprofit organization, but I didn't listen for a long time. It wasn't until the end of 2021 that I was just like, I'm just going to do this. 
fill out the form. I don't know what it's going to be. <laughs> and literally that February, we did an in-person month-long immersion that was crazy wild. I can't believe I did that. <laughs> but it emerged and birthed all of these things. And website came. And as I'm typing like the int- the word, the stuff that's going to go on the website, I'm channeling. <laughs> My ancestors are like, this is what it is. And this is what it is. And this is what it is. We're going to preserve rites of passages, bring rites of passages back into our society in a way that's tangible and acceptable. We're going to bring the elders back. We're going to bring them closer to people, not just invite someone that's read a book about it, but that's lived it, right? And let people meet those people. We're going to bring people back to the land. Like, yes, we're away from it. Yes, we're digital. Yes, we're using technology. But if there's an opportunity to travel to the lands where this comes from, let's do it. Yes, let's record the songs that we can. It was just like, boom, 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 boom. And I didn't know it was going to be these things. And I'm still getting to know what the organization is. It's birthing and growing all the time. But it seems like we're all being shown very similar things. Community, hearing circles, universities that are, it's like reimagining all the institutions that already exist. And we might not all have our hands in all of it, but we'll find and see what part is ours. I feel like I'm setting some, sometimes I feel like I'm setting something up that might be passed on to somebody else, maybe the youth. And other times I feel like I'm, I'm, cause I, I really didn't want to be the hero that was on the stage. I really would have been fine remaining the assistant to the healer and the shaman. So I'm also accepting that there's something that I'm supposed to show on the stage and then my act will be finished and I'll go home and eat some plantains and some good food. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel about it in this moment. There's probably more official and business-like things that I could say, but that's what I feel. Like. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, but well, from what, like, what I hear of you, it's just the reason that you're being asked to be on the stage is because of that humility you have inside. Like I was just okay being the assistant. And so that's the person we want on the stage in this time as we're all collectively relearning who we are as peoples of this earth. That's who we need on the stage. (laughs) But I get that I can feel like a lot of things to be asked for that. So I want to ask you in receiving this vision that you share is going to be perhaps passed on to other people and all these kinds of things. Like what has that process been like for you these days? Like, how are you learning to embody the part you're playing as it continues to change? Right now, I'm learning to just share. I was like, okay, I'm just going to get on the podcast and share Mm -hmm. because the things that are coming through don't belong to me. It's like they do, but they don't. And if it's not shared, then it'll pass on to the next person. If I'm not willing to be the mic or the speaker or the organization for it, it'll just go to somebody else. And so I, right now I'm just like saying yes to a lot of things. I'm saying yes to the interview. I'm saying yes to shamanic and rice of passage students, bringing them in, sharing the medicines with them. And behind this, this scenes, it's like just being resourceful right, with the people that we have and mindful and sustainable, doing what we can with what we have. It's because there's so many big things that we could be doing and we're always being guided and told we should be doing this, you should be doing this, you should go here and go stand over there and go do that. And all these instructions from the outside world. 
And I'm constantly just trying to sit still and be like, okay, but this is what we can do. This is what we have. This is also what's naturally flowing. Mm -hmm. Right now, what's naturally flowing is allowing people to go through their rites of passages, sharing the medicine with them, singing the songs, opening up our space, a few people that can be there, going to the rivers, going to the oceans, and sharing the little bits and pieces of what we're doing along the way online, fundraising along the way, and speaking to the angels that are appearing around us. Because last year, it just felt the little bit that we were sharing was sparking things inside of people. And they were just showing up as angels to support and saying, yes, I'm here to help. Accepting help, accepting being led as I'm being the leader in that way. And, and also being believing in the slow process of growth. My ancestors are always reminding me about how long it may have took for the pyramids to be built and being okay with the slow pace and the things that are growing incrementally. I feel like I'm being airy-fairy, but that's in a grounded way. It's like I just, we get up every day, we do the rituals that we're called to do. We do our prayer times and we follow the spark and the flow. Mm. Yeah, it's always a good remembrance to... Ah, even when I talk to my elders, right? And I have an elder, she's 92 years old and she's always reminding me, she started teaching in her 80s. And so I'm just reminded of the path sometimes, like you were mentioning the pyramids. It's good to be in our flow and it's good to listen and it's good to slow down. And there was one thing I wanted to ask you a question about because I think for many people that are learning to listen, it can be really difficult because we have so much conversation that's already happening, that's programmed, that's noisy, all the stuff that's going on. And so how does one begin to truly listen and to recognize what is truth? There are many listening practices, such as meditation. And there's a really interesting style of yoga that I learned about recently, which is Nada Yoga, the yoga of listening. And they're teaching me about how this is embedded in traditions and culture. And for us, the Nada Yoga is the song. We We sing songs and we listen to songs. Many songs in African traditions have a call and response. There's a part that you say and there's a part that you listen to. Mandatory. There's a part that you say and there's a part that you listen to. In this modern time, also, people are listening to, what is it, the hertz frequencies? The different, like, hertz frequencies, right? I was in the tub with water, and I was listening to these frequencies, and I was thinking at the same time, and the ancestors were like, are you listening or are you talking over the sound? Right? And it's just, and so they just made me sit and lift my ear up in the air and just sit and see how much of the sound I could just take in. And it's just mindfulness. We can be mindful in many different ways, right? So practicing mindfulness, practicing different forms of meditation in a way that's embodied and living, moving, right? So we can sit down and do a meditation with there's people all around us. Sometimes you're listening to a person and you're looking them in their face and you're waiting, you're thinking and you're listening, or you could just close your eyes, right? Because sometimes you're listening and you're making a lot of assumptions and attachments about their tone, about their attitude, about the shapes that their face is making. Maybe close your eyes, right? Tap into that space that they say sometimes activates DMT, <laughs> the spirit molecule. And just listen to what the person is saying. 
and then listen some more and then review again what they said. What else do you see? What else do you sense? What else do you feel? Oh, you felt offended. What else do you sense? What else do you feel? What else is there? What's beneath there? And then what's at the root of that? And then what's at the root of that? We come from root tradition. Oh, listen. Listen to the root of this person, of this tree, of this society, of this road, of this technology. Know that there's something beneath the layer. Oh, you thought you heard it. Listen to it again. This is why African people repeat themselves so many times. <laughs> and tell these long stories. Mm-hmm. Your grandmothers are like, you wasn't listening the first time. We're going to tell you again. <laughs> oh, that was really fun for me to just like really drop in and listen because it's true in our society and our culture. There's, there's so much embedded in our ah, minds and our sight. And I think the gift of listening is maybe less practiced. And so I'm curious, you're talking about the roots, you're going into the earth, right? Like, do you believe that the roots, that we need to do anything to help the roots? So the roots are there, like everything we need through the roots is there. What is the part of us in this culture that's healing? Do we have to go into the roots to heal or is it our connection to the roots? Both and together mm-hmm. <laughs> in a visual, esoteric way and in a very physical way. The, a lot of the medicines that we use in, in, in our tradition in Bengoma are roots of trees. In the rites of passages, you commune and you pray with the trees and they connect you to the trees of your lineage and your family. And then the stories emerge from the trees and speak to you in your dreams. So it's literal, and then it's also metaphorical. Spend time in nature is a way of rooting, right? You can look at rooting from what you're doing with your chakras, right? That root chakra work, and then you go up to the sacral, and then you go up to the heart, and then you go up to the crown, and you go up and down and up and down until everything is well and in harmony again. Everything that we're doing is rooting. A lot of these traditions, it's like a code that is reappearing itself many times. For me, it's just about recognizing the things that are blocking the roots, that are putting the roots in, in, in jail, in prison. There's like a lake right here, and it's just closed off by a fence. And you can't even get to the water. So it's just seeing those blockages along the line, along the lineage, and it's in everything. You're a Wonder Woman. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> So much. Oh you. my god, I love that movie too. I just Whoa, also watched the last one, right? I know. Did you watch I'm Woman really, King really, really, too? Of course. Oh, I'm obsessed. These movies that are so spiritual, they're so spiritual. Oh, they're activating our inner child so much. I know, and it's bringing that warrior spirit. Like I have that inside. I know it, but to see it. And yeah. to see these women, like these really strong women together and how strong we are when we're together. Yeah. Can you speak about Can that? I take a little chat? Yeah, please. Together, we, 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 we get to be, 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 be. Together, we, 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 we get to be. 
together we 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 get to be 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 together we 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 get to be this simple prayer came to me in ceremony at medicine ceremony and as I was singing, I was listening to the song at the same time. And the song was telling me from my higher self that I was feeling discouraged. Like, how am I going to feel able and to move through darkness, suffering, difficult things, the things in this world? And I remember the part of my soul that knows that it feels worth it. And it feels like we're able when we do it together. Mm. And it wasn't just a message. It was a feeling in my heart to help me like feel encouraged by it. <laughs> so just grateful yeah and so can we talk about the healing of togetherness and what you've come to learn around how we can open our hearts to community to our sisterhood to our brothers like how we really enable more connection for ourselves yeah I was on another talk where I expressed and remembered like wow that is it's like the direction I feel we're moving in, but it's also the most courageous thing that I think that we can do. The most courageous thing to do is to remember and embrace togetherness. And I feel like the deep listening thing that I was saying is what we need because it's hard. Our attachments, the things that we're offended by, the ways that we think that we're so different. It's like all this muck that we got to move through together. All these people that we got to sit at a table with that we didn't, it was just like, no, y'all cancel it. I don't want y'all. <laughs> I don't want to do Like, can y'all go in another section of the world so we don't got to, it's like, you got to deal with all of those feelings. You got to deal with all those people that annoy you, that talk too much, da, 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 and like see beyond that to remember why you're doing this with them again this lifetime. <laughs> or to sit with them and learn that all you're being asked to do is to just speak up tell your truth it's courageous to sit around and like deal with these things with one another and not break up the relationship i think i appreciate all the energy that is going around shadow work right now and us accepting that what we see in another is something that we need to acknowledge and remember within ourselves like that to me is the key ingredient in making this work this thing of togetherness also this acceptance that everyone is gifted and we're all capable, but give some people, like we all have a specialty. It doesn't mean that you can't do that too and do that too, but it's okay if you're not the one that does that. You let that person shine. Let them be a star in that, right? You don't have to be the star that's taking up and shining everywhere and everyone and no one else gets to shine. How can we take turns in a way that's sustainable and no one is suffering? I think the things that are challenging us about community are just asking us to change our society. It was like, we want, I want you to change and you to change and you to change and you to be a different person. Or it's just pushing us and triggering us to change our society. Because really, it's just the environment that's making it a little bit more difficult. The way that we structured it. Yeah, I could say more, but those are the main things. I said on my podcast that we are all taking our own times to wake up and we're all being very patient with one another through it. Our higher self is. Um, it's taking time. We're figuring out. It's getting messy sometimes. There's great illnesses and great wars and all of this stuff. But all our higher, collective higher selves are just like very patient with one another, very kind, 
still willing to witness, still willing to try, still waiting for the togetherness. There's a part of your inner child that's waiting to play with my inner child that knows that this world is set up. They were restructuring things and I'm just waiting to play with you. You forgot how to play. But I'm going to dance around and make some joy and be very comedic until you remember how to play with me again. And I'm going to try to recognize that when you're getting on my nerves, there's something about your child that's trying to trick me into remembering something too. Mm. And let it be a little bit more playful is one of the things that I'm seeing. Yeah, I find that play, that joy, that energy of uh, like jubilance to kind of like break down some of these like harder difficult aspects that somehow keep us from relating and seeing one another but in our culture here in the United States let's say you like you were talking about we've kept our roots in prison like there's so much of our capacity of as humans that we've kind of imprisoned and so there's like this needing to break out, to free, to open, to express, to speak, to be in our truth, to pray, to remember. And I'm curious of like, what is your way of bringing yourself, helping other people free themselves, like allowing that truth, that freedom to, to speak through? I like being creative and inspirational. I love singing songs. I love chanting, inviting people into artistic things and conversations about dreams and ancestors and storytelling. These are things that are just always happening along the way, but what I'm dedicated to and for me, what the target is, where my arrow is pointed and landing on is right now is rites of passage only because for me, rites of passage means that I'm not just giving you the fish, but I'm teaching you how to fish. I'm like, you're going to do it. You're going to find it. You're going to go into your caves. You're going to, I climbed up the mountain. I keep climbing the mountain. You're coming up the mountain. Okay. <laughs> this is the mountain. It's over here. Go there. Climb it with your feet <laughs> and your hands, and your heart and your mind. You make the shift. This is your work. This is what you're here to do. Like, how can I affirm what your destiny is? How can I show you, point to your path? It's so beautiful to watch you be a mother. Thank you. you connected with him before he came? Many times. Many years. So many dreams, dreams from other people. My grandma, like, uh, just, and then, you know, I think it was a dream and they made me feel the love that I would feel after he would be here and it felt like it was coming from another timeline and like to encourage me to feel okay about being a mother and to embrace it knowing that that prophecy of how good it would feel to my heart and that was the best part out of all the things <laughs> um, they, but they showed me a lot through other people sometimes you're seeing like you want to see everything for yourself but that's a part, another part of how we're being shown community. In order for you to see some of the things that is the truest to your heart, you have to be willing to see it through other people, to listen to other, what other people have to say about what they see in you. Wow. Blessings to that wise woman, because motherhood is a real plant medicine, let me tell you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Wow. I've been saying, like, I feel like I've been in ceremony every day since we've been born. Every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lessons and just expanding and contracting. It's just, wow. Mm. And what do you feel like was the most surprising thing for you? I feel like we know that some feminine women will give their masculine partner a hard time as they're transitioning from maiden into mother. But me, I literally turned into a black widow and I bit his head off. (laughs) (laughs) Execution style. (laughs) Wow. The first three weeks, I was rough. But it's like, that dark, there was an aspect of this dark mother thing, that, but it was medicine. You know how like they say the spirits of animals, they come and bite you or they come and do these things. They're crawling and trying to take things off of you that no longer belong and no longer work. And it was like, even though it was hard and that probably was really rough, like it also was very transformative. I think, I hope, I pray. Uh, yeah. I hope. I feel that. And uh, just thinking about it, right? Like you went through it natural rite of passage, giving birth, bearing a child, like carrying it in your belly is a rite of passage, but men don't have that in the same way. And so I bet your black widow head biting stuff in a way initiated him in a way that he couldn't have received unless you were there to birth that creature through yourself for him, you know? And it, initi- it, it initiated me at the same exact time because it was really like, how courageous can you be about speaking the tr- just the truth of what you feel right now, mm. no matter how ugly. And sometimes I'm scared about, what is it, masculine? What am I doing? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but it's just like, I'm just trusting. Mm-hmm. I'm just trusting. And also finding humility and slowing down and taking a step back and being like, okay, that's enough. Let me go sit myself down and deal with whatever's going on with me first as well. Mm. But yeah, it's a lesson I'm in. Yeah. So many blessings for this transition. It's just, it's so gorgeous to be speaking to a new mom and just, I, one of the reasons I do the work that I do is because when I became initiated myself into this mission that I had within myself, I started to see how women were like not a part of the equation, especially mothers and the equation being like our capitalist imperialist system, like swept moms and caretakers under the rug. And, Mm. you know, the more I see, the more amazed I am that this isn't something that everybody talks about (laughs) because I'm like, doesn't everybody see this? But I have so much respect for mothers because I'm like, that's some of the most important work on the whole planet. Literally every single person is here because of a mother. And so it's just, it's super powerful. It's super deep. And even before the, it's like, I feel like now I understand the little things that my ancestors were showing me, or even my mind and my higher self were showing me around motherhood. Even when I was in my twenties, I just had this feeling of there should be villages of mothers. There should be places where if a mother can't take care of her children, she can just hand her that child off to a village of mothers that take care of them. Like they would just give me these, like just ideas that I've never thought of or seen in our society, like making me feel like, why isn't it just like complete 
the whole society should be structured around mothers. Like we're the most valuable commodity. Like, come on. It's just, and then it's like, you give birth. I was just saying this, you give birth. It's a surgery that you don't have time to recover from before now starting a new life. Like you're automatically healing, you're nourishing, you're breastfeeding, you're all the things, even with health. Like you had surgery, even if you had a natural birth, things were rewired and restructured. My tailbone ain't never going to be the same. (laughs) 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 And I was recovering and being a warrior mother goddess at the same time. Most people get to recover after surgery, guys. And then go back to work. And the universe just implanted that naturally. Like, that's what motherhood is. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I'm calling in that village of mothers for my life. For, it just doesn't make any sense that it would be any other way. Like, I, I look at the way our society is set up. And I have a lot of teachers that talk about why it's set up this way to protect this, like, dominator culture, however different people describe it. But in a village, in a community, there's a sharing of responsibility. And it's so much more rewarding, in my opinion, to be surrounded by other people and to have many moms to your child and to have many caretakers and aunties and uncles and people that are participating in the child's life and also your life because it can be so isolating in this society as a mother. Yes. Please, love on a mother. Yeah. Give her access to everything. Listen to her. Mm. Let it be very, very prayful and not too serious. And it's like, it'll bring good health and resources to everyone. As a dream interpreter, there's just certain signs and symbols that I see. Like, there's a masculine energy mirrored in my environment that is, there's a lot of signs and symbols of poverty around them. And it's so directly correlated to a feminine energy that is not being listened to and just embraced inside of them. Like, if the mother of nurturing and nourishment, like, if you don't take care and listen to the mother, how will you feel healthy? How will you have the resources, the agriculture that you need to create? Yeah, we can go on and on. And there's been so many women that have said it so many times, so much better than we have. And so many grandmothers who are tired of saying it. So us young folks are going to continue on to sing their songs until it's fully heard. Mm -hmm. And to be those spiders, to be those black widows, to really create the transformation and the healing and the weaving Mm -hmm. between us all with our different missions, with our different pillars, with our different star shine that we're here to bring and create tapestry together of what our collective dream is. So for our final question, if you were to channel the great mother herself, Panchamama, the earth mother, to our audience, what would she have you say? The mothering energy is so alive and so already present everywhere, all around you, inside of you outside of you she's in your hands and the things that you want to create she's in the steps that you're taking to move forward and seeking of your destiny she's very impressed by you she has so i mean think about how a mother just 
completely, unwaveringly loves her child. And like, there's that much love that loves you. <laughs> Beyond these people, you think these people, oh, they don't love you, they don't do this for you. She is loving you to be in, in the midst of all of that. A child has to choose to receive a mother's love. And a child has to accept it. Or it can't accept all the ways that a mother loves. A mother loves sweetly. A mother loves harshly. A mother is sometimes absent. And she's still loving you. Even when she's not in the room. Even when you think that she's hidden somewhere. Or she's escaped. Or someone took her. She's still there. In the other room. Some people call that room the spirit realm. Some people call that room the heart. Sometimes they say you can access it through meditation. Sometimes it's a spontaneous moment of awakening. Sometimes it's random. Sometimes there's structure and order. If you do this thing every day, you will find her. But a lot of times it's random. Always accessible. Open up your eyes. Ask yourself, where is the mother in this flower? Where is the mother in this house? Where is the mother in this tree? Where is the mother in this vehicle? Where is the mother in this concrete jungle? Even in the concrete, she's piercing through. Where is the mother in this person that I'm speaking to? Where is the mother in this person that I'm most frustrated with? The biggest ego, the biggest trickster in my life. How is the mother hidden in this situation? That feels very difficult. That feels very dark. Why is all of these empires and buildings falling all around me? Is it the mother tree trying to emerge from all this structure that I've created that's limiting? It was great. It was wonderful. But now she wants to give you more. Can you expand? Oh, one of my students has this beautiful song that I just want her to sing, but I'm going to shout her out and her ancestors right now from the Divine Mother in her who says, how much love can you stand? Can you expand? Can you expand? Gogo Yema, Jillian Root Walker. How much love can you stand? Can you expand? Can you expand how much love can you stand? Can you expand? Can you expand? Okay. Thank you for letting me be silly and real. Same time. Beautiful. Thank you. And so it is. Will you share with our audience about how they can find your magic and your wisdom and connect with you? Yes. You can find me on the most important mission that I'm on right now, which is MakosiFoundation.org. You can also see me on MakosiStarMother.com. On Instagram, I am Makosi-StarMother. And I have a lovely podcast called Ancestral Dreams that's on Spotify and Apple and other things. Those are some of the most creative spaces that you can find me. 
Thank you so much for being here today. It's such an honor to be in this space with you, especially as you're emerging from just having given birth three months ago and just feels, it feels like a beautiful transition process for you. So thank you for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Thank us. Thank the campus. Thank the land. And thank the beauty that is trying to emerge in this world through the mother mind in this time of the feminine. Of course. And thank you to the traditions that have given me permissions to express myself in my own way while just carrying something that's very old and ancient and can't just be embodied by me, but all of us all together in our own flavors and colors. Thank you for listening to the Time of the Feminine podcast. See you next time. I would love to introduce our new sponsor, goddesswell.co. Goddesswell creates the highest quality of women's products for your highest self, specifically formulated by women for women to complement our inherent self-healing power, specifically focusing on PMS, menopause, hormone and moon support, and urinary tract health. So what I love about this company is the intentionality within the medicine and the high, high quality of CBD that's within each capsule. So there's various lines. There's the Harmony line for harmony and mood. There's the Radiance line for PMS and menopause relief. There's the Serenity line for UTI relief. And each capsule has two times more CBD than in any other capsule on the market, plus high quality essential oils to target and support relieving all of these various women's hormonal and sexual health issues. So for me, every day I take the Harmony pill for mood and hormone aid and I say a little prayer and I connect with the medicine and I connect with the aliveness of the essential oils and I ask for help with what I'm going through right now in my woman's health journey and I feel like I'm giving myself the care and the attention I need. So what's so cool about Goddess Well and Marcella, the owner's connection with Global Sisterhood, is she's a Global Sisterhood facilitator herself, and she has made it available for the Global Sisterhood community to buy one product and get one free using the code SISTERHOOD. That means we get to buy one for ourselves, and we get to buy one with the condition of giving it to a sister, to spread the love, to spread the health, and to deepen our circle of women who are healing ourselves and transforming the world. So go to goddesswell.co, use the code sisterhood and buy one and get one free to give to a friend. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Time of the Feminine podcast. It is such an honor every time to be able to host these conversations and to share the stories of the beautiful people we get the opportunity to interview. And so if you enjoyed this podcast, please go ahead and leave us a review. You can do so on Apple Podcasts and write a nice note, or you can do so on Spotify by leaving stars. We so appreciate every single one of you that's taken the effort to go out and to share with others and with our community about how this podcast has touched you. It really means so much to us since for us, this is a labor of love. And so thank you for giving back in that way.